And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric Flaherty. Is on the air now. Welcome back to Seven Fifty-Five is Real. I'm David O'Brien, Braves writer for the Athletic. I'm with my co-host Eric O'Flaherty, former Braves reliever. What's going on, Eric? What's up, Dave? We're winding it down, man. Yep. Quick, quick and uh, quick and dirty spring training. About over. Two more days down here. We are out. It feels so good when you wrap up spring training. It's, it's so redundant. Yeah. Yeah, this would only be normally halfway through. I don't know how we yeah. do seven weeks spring training. <laughs> yeah. I was talking to Bowman today when it was getting sloppy for the Braves today. I said, clearly spring training is too long, <laughs> three weeks down yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. I always felt like it could be about a month or less. You know, if, it's mainly just getting the starters stretched out. But as a relief pitcher, you know, you get four, five, six games, you're ready to go. You get there two weeks before or a week before the position players and do pitchers fielding practice for just, I mean, every day you're doing yeah. this stuff. And yeah. it's just the same day over and over. There's one day off. So they don't really have a lot of that this time. Once you get to put that suit on and get on the plane for that first time and you're with your squad, you know, because there's so many extras in spring training too, but you're with the actual team you're going to be on, it feels good. Uh, by the way, if uh – if you're watching us on YouTube tonight, then make sure to check out our sponsors in the description down there. All right. Okay. And uh, as promised, we solicited some questions from all you guys, and we got a ton of them. So we tried to pick a representative sample and answerable questions. Some of them, of course, were unanswerable. So we skipped those. And uh, <laughs> we took some of the answerable ones and... Uh, why don't we just go ahead and attack those things? So the roster came out today. Well, it didn't come out officially, but Snit gave it to us. Bo and I got the roster as long as there's not any uh, moves, which the as Eric and I were talking about, the Braves have made moves in this final day or two several times in the past. So it shouldn't at all come as a surprise if they make one the next day or two, tonight, tomorrow, the next day. Um, but as it is right now, we do have the roster. And um, um, the big, I guess the big takeaway is the only – the surprising one, if anything, was William Contreras is on it as a third catcher, but he's not really on it as a third catcher, even though he's still a catcher. They still view him as primarily a catcher, but, and I think it's a good move. His bat is good enough that with a, with a designated hitter, it's not as crucial to have a couple of backup infielders. As Snit said, you're going to have, have to have a real train wreck to have a game where you have to use two backup infielders in a game with a designated hitter. So, they decided to use Contreras, who played right field. You guys might remember the other day he played a game in right field, started out there, and he, ha- and he handles himself fine in the outfield. This guy's really athletic. And uh, Snit said they're going to start having to take some ground balls at third base. So they're trying to broaden his horizons, and you know, because they got two catchers signed for the next two years. And I don't know how much more this guy can learn in AAA. So at least while rosters are at 28, they're going to keep him up here and give him a chance. So, and if he hits, as Snit said, he, he might not ever go back to the minors again, but yeah, 
I would well, you don't need that. that. The you know, I've I've seen some people kind of criticizing the Braves bench a little bit, but with the DH, mm-hmm. you don't need that depth nearly right. as much. You know, there, I mean, there's yeah. injuries and stuff, but I mean, the National League, you have to hit for that pitcher multiple times a game, right? And in the American League, you'd have teams with a weak bench, and they just never see the field, right? They yeah, play on are- Sunday. Brace fans are just so used to the way it's been. Yep. So it's, I, I understand it totally. You look yep. at the bench and you go, really? That's it? That's all we got? But you got to remember, you're just not going to need those guys. You're not going to yep. have to pinch it. You know, that's where you always needed them. So and remember, remember last year when you did need a good bench, how bad everybody thought the Braves bench was coming out of spring training? And they all stepped up. They ended up carrying them the first month. You yep. had uh, Adrianza and uh, – and uh, did I pronounce his name? If I already forgot it, what his name was. Ahira Adrianza. That's right. You got it. Yeah. He was he stepped up, but remember Pablo Sandoval? My God, yep. he was on fire the first two months. And then he, he that was it for him, man. <laughs> that well, was it. That he, was all that was left in the tank. He gave it on those pitch hit homers. But he played a big role early on. Huge. Huge. When their offense was lagging so bad. Yeah. So I mean, just but the, but everybody was complaining about the bench a year ago and uh and they were fine. So and you know Alex Anthopoulos. He ain't going to stand very long for the Braves needing it. If, they, if it really bites him in the ass, he'll go out and get a guy. He'll make something happen. So, And like I said, not going to surprise me if they make something happen in the next day or two. So, um, Oh, and the other one was Spencer Strider made it. There was kind of some question, especially after he kind of got lit up yesterday with the Yankees in his third outing. His first two were really good, though. And yesterday – since so that's a lesson for the guys, he throws 100 miles an hour. But if you're not, if you miss location in the big leagues, it don't matter if you throw 100. Aaron right. Judge taught him a lesson in the first inning with a home run. He gave up two bombs, but uh, they like he's got weapons, as Snit said. Talent plays up here, and he's got talent. So they kept him on that expanded roster at least till you know the first few weeks, and they're going to give him a shot as a six starter. Him and Tucker Davidson, they're going to be used both of them as a six starter, according to the matchup. Whichever's a better right. matchup. And there are other times he's going to be used in a bullpen. And Strider can pitch anywhere from bridge to uh to opener to yep. long to long to multi-innings because he's stretched out right now, him and Tucker Davidson. So they uh, they're covered pretty well with the pitching staff. Yeah, and he he's a little more important now with Luke going down. No doubt. And the guy like Thornburg from Riverdale High School in uh Sandy Springs and Charleston Southern, former Milwaukee guy, he's going to make the team, and he's going to be important. And Darren O'Day could be really important. He made the team as a non-roster invitee. He showed what he needed to show this spring. It's healthy. That twice-detached hamstring is healthy now. And uh, at 39, he's out there doing it, man. you got to respect that guy. Coming back from a second hamstring surgery. (laughs) I'm 37. I get sore playing golf. His hamstring came off the bone again last year with the Yankees. He had it reattached, dude. Twice he's done this, and he's back out there pitching. I hurt just thinking about it. Yeah, I mean, it's I, I respect guys a lot that are that are able to take care of their body at that age and and find a way to to stay healthy or or beat an injury like that because he's had a great career. It's easy yeah. you tear your hamstring off the bone twice and just be like, well. There's my sign to mail it in. It's been fun. I'll see you guys, you know, on the other side. Yeah. And you take a huge pay cut and come back on it as a non-Roster minor league contract and come back to prove yourself. You know yeah. what? He's really jacked up because he spent the offseason working out at a spot with a bunch of young guys from other teams. He was working there, I think, and working out. And he really said he ironed out some of his mechanics, and he was kind of rejuvenated working out with all these young guys. 
So he came to camp feeling really good in great shape. He looks great. I mean, you'd never know that. So he, uh, but he well, said a lot he was, of guys do that for you. You know, a yeah. lot of young guys, they just, you get to be around hungry guys. You know, when you're, when you're mm-hmm. around the young guys, they have energy, they train hard. Um, and they're kind of not dumb, but you know, kind of young and dumb and, and just having fun. And it kind of keeps that kid in you alive versus, you know, I'm sure he has a wife and kids. He goes home in the off season. If you're just working out by yourself and plugging yeah. away and then you come home and change diapers, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's not quite the same fun factor, but I, I've heard a lot of guys, Hinsky used to say that, Rosty used to say that, that, that hanging around the young players kept them feeling young. He had a uh, rotator cuff strain last year with the Yankees early on. He was throwing pretty well, and then he had a rotator cuff strain, but the hamstring was barking, and he thinks it was from compensate from you know yeah. altering his mechanics slightly. So he cleaned that up in the offseason after having that thing reattached, and uh, so we'll see. As long as he stays healthy, he could be really he could be big for the Braves. He's looked good so far. Three scoreless innings. I think he gave up one hit, one walk. Yeah, the bullpen depth overall is pretty solid, even you know considering losing losing Luke. Yeah. Yeah, it tells you how deep it is because normal, I mean, you'd lose Luke Jackson a few years ago, and that would have been pretty big that year. He had the great yeah. year for the Braves and was closing a lot. Mm-hmm. This year, they can kind of lose him and go, eh, you know, sucks. But for Luke, it sucks. But, they're you know, they're so deep. There was four or five guys ahead of him. So, yeah. But feel really bad for him, man, because he was coming off his best year, and he's a year from free agency. You went you went through that, right? No, oh, that was the year I went down. Um you know, my elbow, so I'd gotten an MRI in August of 2012, and I was going to be a free agent after 13. And they did the MRI, and they said, you have a, a T-tear, which is just the shape of it in your ligament. So it's mm-hmm. kind of going up and across. And I had pretty bad elbow pain, but I was getting everybody out. And so they told me, you know, surgery is going to be – it's going to have to happen at some point, but uh-huh. you can keep pitching and see how it feels. And I finished that year out great, and I came to the next spring – and I think honestly, it's like you go into the off season and your your ligament kind of heals, and things things heal up. So when you go to throw again, it, it yeah. kind of starts re tearing or, or or hurting in a way that you're you know you're not used to. But I came in and I was throwing like eighty five that spring training, and everybody teammates were making fun of me because they didn't know you know I was my elbow was torn up, but I, I was throwing like eighty five, and by the start of the season, I was getting back to like eighty nine, ninety one. And I just didn't have the same life on, on my fastball. And I was just, you know, like I'd go to wash my hair and I'd get this sharp pain in my elbow, but I was still getting people out. And I got to the point about middle of May, um, I went and told uh, Jeff Porter, I said, I need, you know, I, I need a couple of days off here. And he was, he, you know, he asked me if it was my elbow again. I said, yeah. And He's like, yeah, we could do a couple, you know, a little bit of treatment, a little bit of that. But, you know, the team kind of needs to know because I was throwing the eighth inning. So we need to know what what we're looking at here with your elbow. So we need to get an MRI. We got an MRI and it was it was even more torn. And, you know, they presented me that they said you could try to rehab this thing and pitch again in July Mm -hmm. or June, you know, but you're going to be out three to four weeks to get this thing healthy. And, you know, just as a player, you're put in this position where if I didn't have the surgery then. And I had it in August or right. September. I might not get a job the next year. Right. So, like in Luke's position, um, if he has the surgery now, when he hits free agency, he can sell five months next year. Yeah. He could say, you know, you're going to get me back at full strength at 13 months from now, 12 months from now. Some guys come back in 11 and feel great. Everybody's a little different, but he could sell and try to get a job next year, having banged out, you know, most of his rehab during this season. 
And if he if he pitches through it, or it's just, the right decision for me would be for him personally would be to get it done. That's what he's going to um, do. He yeah. kind of decided after. It, originally, the plan was he's going to see, get some more tests, see what happens, and he threw. Was okay, but he got up the next day and it was. Yeah, uh, he's like, nah, this ain't going to work. So he's, yeah, you can only fight it for so long. Yeah, yeah, it's torn, and he's going to get it fixed. That I could probably for the reason you said. So shitty, shitty timing for him. You know, I mean, he was probably looking at if he had one more good season, getting a two or three year deal. Yeah, you know, I mean, and five, ten million per. It's just awful. It's like Johnny Venters, man. When he was yep. on poised to have a huge contract, he never had it. Never got paid. And here he is pitching for the World Series champions last year, sub two ERA. He's coming back with an even deeper bullpen, a chance to do it again, and now he's gonna be watching. Yeah, that sucks. That's why guys take those, you know, team friendly deals sometimes. Yep. I mean, we've talked about it plenty of times, yep. but there's always a chance that you get hurt and don't get to cash in on all the work you've done. God, if I was a reliever, I know I'd do it. I'd, oh. I'd ask them, hey, can we still do like a three-year deal here? <laughs> Let's get some. Well, that was the thing in 2012. We were supposed to talk after the season. You know, like, you know, after 2011, they were big on me. And then, you know, I had a good year in 2012. And it was like, if you back up 2011, this offseason, we're going to we're gonna talk, you know, signing you to a multi-year or something like that and keeping yeah. you long-term. Once I got that MRI, it kind of went out the window. It's like, yeah. you already got a tear in your ligament. You know, we're, we're going to have to go year to year on you. We're good. Yeah. Good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Safe travels, buddy. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, so here we go. Let's do the, let's do a few of these questions. Uh, Eric picked a couple that he could answer that specifically for him, I think, uh, to start with. Well, I can help on this first one, too, because this is uh, – this one, I don't know where it got started. I think maybe it was the story Buster did about the, that lo- open locker in the, in the clubhouse. Was it Buster or Ken? I don't – I thought it was Buster, but there's – They might have both said something about it. I've heard it in five different places. Here it is. Travis Bedsall says, what's with the empty locker? And are players trying to keep Freeman's locker empty for the year? And somebody else asked the same question and said something like, is there a sour feeling in the clubhouse or attitude about Freddie, how you went? Is Dansby Swanson preventing the locker from being? No, 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 no. Yeah. Go ahead, Eric. Well, first of all, there's, I mean, there's 40 lockers in the clubhouse. <laughs> right. You know, there's always there's always empty lockers, there's but more in this clubhouse it's bigger. Yeah, it's there's plenty. Um they're not shoving rookies in a broom closet or something to to know to fit this empty locker for Freddie. Um I think it's just, you know, you kinda honor your teammates. 
um, when they leave and he's been there and, and been their guy for however long, like Dansby's whole career, he's looked up to Freddie and had Freddie. He's been that rock in the, uh, yeah. on wow. the team, but it's just one of those things that guys do and it's cool. And you remember your teammate and there's plenty of other lockers and you're just not going to give it away the first year after they're gone, but it's zero this, drama. And this is, know? and this is practical. This even beyond that, Freddie's locker was open at the start of camp because they were still negotiating with him. Yeah, they thought yeah. he. They they still thought that first day we talked to the guy still thought he was going to be back, and the, and Snit was hoping he'd be back. It all changed and like that. Alex made the decision. We're not going to get it done. We got to move on to Olson. So at that point, they've given all the lockers. They've assigned all the lockers, and Freddie's locker's still open in case they sign him. So the only way they would have filled that locker is. You bring in Matt Olson and you give him Freddie's locker. No, well, they're obviously not, not do doing that. that. Then they sign Kenley Jackson. Kenley Jansen. Well, you're not going to give the guy you got from the Dodgers give yeah. him Freddie's locker and make that whole weird thing. And plus, Kenley ja- Kenley Jansen is sitting over on the left side of the wall with the other relief pitchers where they are. So it's really only about. I mean, it's just they they and and the thing is, I asked uh, I asked. Uh, Charlie, this morning, Charlie Morton came in and I asked him specifically because of this question somebody asked us, Charlie, what's the deal with Freddie's locker? Are you guys going to leave that open this year at back in Truist Park in the real park? And he was like, first he looked at me like, what? Yeah. He honestly he had, had no idea what he was it. talking about. I said, yeah. are you guys going to have an open locker for Freddie, like to honor him or something? Because somebody asked him, he goes, and he kind of was like, I don't know. Who cares? No, he was like, no, he goes, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be, that would be, he goes, that wouldn't be, uh, that wouldn't make sense was the word to use. That wouldn't make yeah. sense. He goes, he goes, we're not going to pay. We're not going to do that. He goes, that's a personal thing that we should show appreciation for what Freddie did to get this team where it is to help get this yep. organization where it is, but we're not going to pay tribute to him. And I said, like he's dead or something. He goes, exactly. Yeah. While he's playing for the Dodgers, he's wearing right. Dodger blue. We're not going to put a locker for him. So people are reading so much into this, what they read, that just happened to be open. Because like I said, they assigned the lockers when this camp started, and they still thought Freddie was going to be here. So they left it open because nobody – I mean, they're going to – so really, this is the much to do about nothing. And there's not going to be an open locker at Truist Park, and they haven't even thought about it, according to Charlie. And that wouldn't make any sense, as he said. You may you really think the team's going to allow them to leave an open locker like, and Freddie wouldn't want that. What does that even no. do? It's like the guy died or was in a car wreck or something. You know, he left as a free agent. <laughs> what do you do to all the other players that left as free agents? Or you know that do you have do you not you have a locker to Freddie, but not to Hank Aaron in the clubhouse or not to Chipper Jones? I mean, <laughs> you, well, you I know f- we did we did keep Chipper's locker empty. I think for a year or two after <laughs> after he retired. But but he honestly, retired I, though. He didn't go yeah. play for somebody else. <laughs> yeah, I, I think honestly, I think you know not not everybody. But certain members of the media kind of get attached to the the drama of a situation, yeah. you know, and they get excited yeah. about it and they want to hold on to it and it gets yeah. people riled up and it gets attention. I, yeah. You're right. Because you know what? I know. I don't know if people will believe this or not. But as you know, when you're at spring training, you're totally immersed in what's going on and your job and what the team's yeah. doing. And you're not you're not worrying. And, and these guys have moved on. They love the hell out of Freddie. And when they yeah. see him, they're going to give him a standing ovation. Like Charlie said, yeah. when he comes to the plate, they'll be on the th- top step of the dugout. And but they're not thinking about Freddie every day. They're not thinking about Freddie. Now, he's gone, and they've got a great player to replace him. It's just part right. of the business. So people are all concerned about – 
what's that effect of the clubhouse? It hasn't. Yeah. They don't think that the Braves really screwed him over or anything, you know? They don't know all the ins and outs of it, too. They haven't looked into it like we have. I mean, you know, they're, uh, they're, they're, these guys are here doing a job, and they love Freddie, but they've got a new teammate, and they've embraced him. Well, so, you, you, you lose teammates all the time in baseball. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, it is a business. You guys get released, traded, signed with different teams. I mean, it's something right. that you get so used to. You know, I, I, honestly, I think it'll be a lot harder for the fans than it is the players. Agree because you, you, as a player, it's like, all right, we lost them, you know, yeah. and and I'm sure I'm sure there was plenty of guys that were upset when it happened, but guys turned the page quick, right. and it, it's like, all right, we lost Freddie. How are we going to win now? Right. It's time to go out and play baseball, and I, I, stuff just gets blown up, and it's it's funny how many times in the clubhouse there's this big story going on, right? And the only reason guys are dicks to the media answering the question is because they don't care at all. Like right. it's not even on their radar, like you said right. with Charlie. Like we, they haven't even thought about this specific thing, yeah, and Charlie they have to keep like, talking about it. And Charlie's like, like, Charlie's like, genuinely didn't know what I was talking about, yeah. and he goes, "That wouldn't make sense." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to have this locker for a guy who's in Dodger blue, you know. It, it happens, and Charlie happens loves Freddie. He's the one that's yeah. pumped him up, saying, "I hope the Braves are making him a real offer and all that." But even Charlie right now is not. He's not. You know, he's moved on. He knows it's, it's just part of the business. And it'd be one thing if the Braves replaced him with a minor leaguer, you know, and expected, you know, and, and so then they'd be pissed because they wouldn't have as good a chance to win. But they yeah. went out and got the other best first baseman, the arguably the best first baseman in the American League, and brought him over and gave him a huge contract, and now he's set. So they've moved That on. was another thing that I saw was people saying, you know, uh, all these guys won the World Series or whatever, and they don't hand out a big contract to any of them. They give it to Matt Olson. Um, I, I just think that, you know, the main thing to understand is that athletes are really good at compartmentalizing stuff. Right. It's like you can be annoyed or pissed yeah. off with something the organization did, but that is in no way going to affect how you go out and play baseball. And right. it never it never affects that. You know, I mean, th- there's a rare guy that's pissed off he's not getting this contract extension, but most guys are really good at once the bell rings, once it's time to play, they go out and play. You know, they're yeah. not they're not standing on second base mad they don't have an extension yet. You know, they're thinking about if this ball's in the gap, I got to score and stuff yeah. like that. So I I don't see it really I think the whole thing's been kind of blown up. I think they have a really strong group, and I don't, I, you know, they're going to miss Freddie's leadership, but I don't yeah. see it being something that destroys yeah. the clubhouse or anything like and that. And I understand from outside the team because people are at home and they're thinking about Freddie. And they're thinking, yeah. But down here with the team doing their thing, they're not thinking about Freddie. They're thinking about the hour to hour, the day to day, getting ready. Freddie's not yeah. on their minds right now, man. Yep. They probably won't think about him until they play the Dodgers. You know, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Just day to day, hour to hour, game to game. I mean, you're so wrapped up in your job and, and trying to win each day yeah. that you really don't get too distracted with with any of the stuff that's floating around outside the team. And I did a preview story. I think it's running tomorrow that about and, and guys like Dansby and Austin Riley and these guys talked about how great this clubhouse is and nothing has changed. And they came in this year still hungry, the same feeling. Max Fried said, there's no difference. And I haven't noticed one difference in this team. Right. You would never know they won the World Series if you didn't have the signs all over the place down here because they act exactly the same. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, so. and you're not going to have you – know, one guy isn't going to – guys Guys can, can make a huge impact on your clubhouse, but what the, the impact Freddie made – it is it's going to stay, you know, right. they, they, he taught them how to work, how to play every day, how to do right. all these certain things. And, and that's now what that's Charlie was saying. That's their team mantra. That's how they function. Right. 
but they, it's kind of like, you know, all the time veterans pass stuff on to young guys and they pass it on to the next ones. These guys, all these guys that learn from him, yeah. they're going to hold on to all that stuff they learn from him. And, and sometimes you don't necessarily need that guy to do it anymore. You know, you, right. you've kind of learned your lessons from him. And they'll hug him and all that when they see him. Yep. But then I think with fans, once they see Matt Olson playing every night, they're going to get past this. Right yep. now, it's on their minds because they're not seeing the team every day. You know, they're not right. playing on every day. They're not playing games that matter. So most people aren't really paying attention. And they're in their heads conjuring these visions of what, what the clubhouse is like without yeah. Freddie and everything. Everybody's and it's just, just not happening. Walking accurate. around with their head down. It's not happening, man. <laughs> I hate to disappoint anybody. Yeah. And, because Freddie was beloved here, but it's just not happening. They've moved on, man. You move so, on quick in baseball. Right. Yeah. All right. Uh, Cole Collins asks, Eric, back in the day, you, Venters, and Kimball closed the door like no other. Can you see the night shift? That's the name for the current bullpen for all you, for any of you who might not be aware, which I can't imagine there are any of you that aren't aware. Can you see the night shift with new additions having the same type of sustained success? Those oventral days were golden. Uh, yeah, just it's just a matter of staying healthy for most of these guys. I mean, you've seen Luke already go down. Um, yeah. Jansen's getting a little older, but he's been you know he's been as consistent as they come. Um, Will Smith moving down to the eighth inning. That's, that's pretty solid. Um, seventh. I, or the seventh, yeah, or, yeah. you know, mixing and matching with yeah. him. I think, you know, I think Minner's going to have a big year. He's had some great postseasons, but he's he hasn't been able to put together that big full season, yeah. 70 games yep. yet. What about um, Nutsack? Come I, on, I, man. I know. I don't think his fastball is going to slump. I, I think he's got – he's got – He's. I don't worry about him at all. Um, Speaking after, of Roman. <laughs> <laughs> after everything he's been through, man, um, he's yeah. – yeah. I mean, he's as lights out as they come, but I, I just don't see his fastball slumping. You know, picking up McHugh was huge, but really it's just a matter of, I mean, that was our downfall. Me and Johnny got hurt and then Craig got traded. But if we, if we had stayed yeah. healthy, when you're on a run like this as a unit, it's, you kind of just feed off each other and, and keep it going. I, I could yeah. see him having another year, just like last year. Pretty Boyle easily. got hurt. Yeah. Yep. All these guys have done it a long time. McHugh was hurt, missed his time, and came back. And and man, I saw him. I, I've watched him pitch a couple of times. And you look at him walk through the room, and you're like, "This yep. guy is a stud reliever." And then he gets out there and pitches, and he, he just knows how to pitch, man. And he knows how to spin the ball. Yeah, he's a skinny dude. Looks like a you know insurance salesman. <laughs> he gets out on the mound, and and then you got Jansen, who's just a monster. He's a yep. big dude, man. He looks the part of closer. Yeah, him standing atop the mound. As a hitter, you got to be like, whoa, because he's a big yeah, dude. He's another guy that's got something for me that doesn't slump, and that's extension. Yeah. You know, he he reaches out there so far. It's like he's throwing from a 55-foot mound. 6'5", long arms, big, big guy, too. He's 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 wide as well. And a really Basically nice guy, Basically a one-pitch guy, too. Yeah. You know, cutter. just firing cutters. Nasty cutter. Um. So, yeah, it's uh, – it, if you know Alex makes all these moves because depth is his thing, depth is his big thing, depth in key spots. And last year, you know, with the outfield, he ran short. So, what did he do? He went out and got three of them. And everybody's like, <laughs> Really, you got to go get three? And what did they do? And he posted and they all, it all paid off. Yeah. Yep. So, he goes out and, and gets Kenley Jansen after getting McHugh earlier in the week when everybody's got going, really? Another reliever? And then what happens? Luke gets hurt. And now all of a sudden you still got a very deep bullpen. But if you had not gone out and got Kenley Jansen, 
you know, or McHugh. Then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. losing Luke is a pretty big deal. And it might well, still maybe, be a big deal. But maybe they really knew something deal. about Luke, too. Right. You know, I mean, he Possible. could have been banged up in the postseason or working with trainers in the in the offseason. But, yeah, that was another one of those moves when they made yeah. it. It was like, you know, that's that's where you put in 16 mil or whatever right. you got. And then Luke winds up going down, and now you look good. By the way, did you see uh, Kimbrell's first game with the Dodgers? I think it was his first game last night. Yeah, Dirty Craig Ooh. needs a minute to to get his bearings. Ooh. Anytime he's in a new environment, he's got to settle in. Wow. I think he gave up two bombs in the first three batters. Dirty Craig doesn't get excited for spring training. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be good when the lights come on. Them fans are going to be getting excited if he doesn't start pitching fast. Um, there you got. Okay, here's another one for Eric, and it is who are the be- three best relievers Eric has seen in person that he did not play with? Ooh, that I didn't play with. Uh, did not play with. Mariano, obviously. You know, I saw him with the Yankees early on in my career, and he's one of those guys that, you know, one-pitch guy just like Kenley. But I remember when I when I went over to – when the first time I saw him pitch, I was asking Raul Ibanez. I was like, Raul, why don't you just sit cutter? He goes, buddy, we're all sitting cutter, okay? <laughs> we all know it's coming. This guy's not a Hall of Famer because he's tricking anybody. Yeah. And he, I guess, you know, Mariano's cutter just broke so late and yeah. so sharp that – I mean, it, it was just like it played tricks on their eyes, and they couldn't swing where they had to swing where their eyes told them the ball was going, not where they knew it was going. You know, yeah. he's he explained it to me, and I mean, it made perfect sense. But I'd say him. Uh, I saw K Rod during the peak of his career, and yeah. he was a joke. Um, it was really just his slider because you saw him even when K Rod started throwing ninety, and he was with the Mets, he was still saving games because his slider was so good. So when he was with at ninety seven with that thing, I mean, he was as tough as they come. And then I'd probably say the last one is Chapman. I mean, just yeah. coming in, throwing 106. The first time you see that from the dugout is, is wild. It's just exploding out of his hand. You can hear it. So yeah, I'd say those three yeah. are probably the three best I've seen in person that I didn't play with. We got another one here from Jason Rosnick. That last one, by the way, was from primetime ZJ. Okay. Then we got Jason Rosnick here ask, why is Austin Riley so overlooked by everyone outside of Atlanta? And how, what can Michael Harris play center? <coughs> I think there was a typo or, or our guy, our producer typed it in wrong, but why is Austin Riley so overlooked by everyone outside of Atlanta? And, and I'm going to make that. Can Michael Harris play center? Of course he can play center. That's what he plays. Um, that's his position. The guy's a natural center fielder. He's got a great arm. Great range. He's going to be a stud center fielder, and he is the center fielder of the future here. And that's why Pache was expendable because Harris is going to be up here. I would say in a year, they got a real good chance next spring of making the team, and he can make his debut this year if he's playing real well and they have an injury. You know? Yeah. Because they don't have a center fielder right now. Duvall's going to play center for him, and Duvall's fine out there. He did it last year. And then they got Guillermo Heredia, Guillermo Heredia Ended up starting half the year last year, but he's more of a backup. But they do not have a future center fielder or long-term guy. So as soon as you can get – as soon as Harris is ready, that spot's going to be his, I think, and, and he's a stud out there. Um, you think he'd be ready now if there was an injury? He I could be. I to watch him. He I'm, hasn't you know, played above eight ball, but he looks like it out there. You know, it's hard to tell in spring that's training a big the guys he's facing, the guys he's facing, you know. Yeah. Because most of them are minor leaguers that he's facing, especially late in games. Yeah. So – 
I, I don't think they, I think they really want to be careful. He's too valuable. And look yeah. at him when they rushed Pache up. They thought he was right. ready. Ended up could maybe doing irreparable damage to him. So who knows? And who knows if Hayward was ready? I don't know if that would have had anything to do with it. I don't think it did, but I think they would like to give uh, Harris at least another year because he hasn't played in the high minors yet. So at least a year, half year in double A. And if he's so raking AA, in double A, yeah. If he's raking in double A, then yeah, either promote him to triple A midseason or if he's, if they have an injury up here, boom. So, um, and then what was, the, oh, why is Austin Riley so overlooked? I don't really know that he is because he made the first team all MLB team and guys are like going, maybe he's overlooked with the mainstream media or whatever. And maybe, uh, but if you look like MLB network, when they rate third baseman and all that, he's not rated as high as, as he should be, but I think it's probably cause he's only had one great year, but if he has another year, like he had last year, all of a sudden you're going to see him up in the top five easily. But I think people are aware of him. And I think they just want to see him have another year. He's really only done one year. So, yeah. I don't know. He lacks the the sex factor, you know, like the yeah. the it's kind of yeah. the Mike Trout effect, you know. Yeah, I, he's I don't. Pretty bland I wouldn't out say. Field. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's he's overlooked or underrated as much as just underpromoted. Yeah, because he's not doing big bat flips and right. flashy stuff. He doesn't have a neck tat. I mean, he can, yeah, he doesn't do anything the, on the field to catch you know, draw attention. At he all. just plays baseball, and you know, I mean. There, there was a long time where that was the most appreciated thing about a player was the whole act like you've done it before thing. But now, you know, the game's changed and people want to see flashy stuff. They want to see more emotion. And Austin's pretty calm and just goes about his business. And I think that's just something that that's hard to sell and, and hard to, you know, put on a Gatorade ad. And he also doesn't even have that swag, that cockiness that Chipper had when Chipper was a young right. guy, when Chipper was like hated by every other team because right. of just the way he carried himself. It's like, I know yeah. I'm a badass, even though he didn't have to say anything, he just the way he carried himself, but he did say some things too. But Austin doesn't even carry himself like that. He's just right. out there, you know? Yep. Just like just a guy doing his job. <laughs> yeah, just a job guy going about his business, rarely shows any emotion. So that's uh, that's probably a good explanation for it. He doesn't do a lot of flashy stuff. He just produces. But he has another year like last year. I think you're going to see him yeah, uh, giving a lot more the respect he's due. So It's like a uh, Scott Rowland type, you know? Yep. Yeah, that's was, a good comp. Everybody plays against him knows how damn good he is. And, yeah. and people have to worry about him. But if you don't do – there's just certain things you have to do that yeah. catch people's attention. And he doesn't do a lot of that. No. He doesn't have that chipper or Josh Donaldson kind of – yeah, I mean, he could grow a mullet and get a neck tat and <laughs> start bat flipping. I'm sure he'd, you know, he'd get some more Twitter followers or Instagram followers or whatever. But I don't think that's what he's after. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Matt Carter, is there any way fans can apply leverage to MLB about the stupid blackout rules? Did you have an answer for this? Because you, uh, you I have no idea. I, I don't have an answer for that. There's ways around it. I'll say that. You, oh, know, you okay. gotta you gotta meet you some nerdy friends that that know how to bounce yeah. your IP address through Puerto Rico or something. Then it's not a problem anymore. You can stream everything if you know the if you know how to do it. I mean, yep. Like 
when get when I was working at the AJC and we hired and Gabe came aboard, all these young guys that are under twenty five, yeah. they Gabe don't could watch like anything. any event. He doesn't even yep. pay for cable, and he goes, "Oh yep. yeah, I'm watching it." I'm like, "What are you watching it on?" He's got all these Reddit things, all these streams yep. that come through. I'm like, I have no idea how you do that. <laughs> I mean, that that's asking that's asking a lot of a casual fan or somebody in their sixties that just wants to watch the And it's illegal as well. Game. You're promoting something illegal. Yeah, we don't. I'm can't not. Do that. I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying there's something you can do. Meanwhile, my my if you're my mad old enough, dumbass will pay three hundred dollars a month for my cable and all my yeah. add-ons and everything else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you I can do just that too. Sit on my recliner and go ding, ding, ding. You get know, every single I, thing I want. <laughs> the most frustrating thing about it, though, is like you can have, and and I think this is what they need to fix: is People you can have, you can have a subscription to that TV channel, right? But then you also have the MLB app. And there's right. no way to link your account and be able to watch it. Say you're at a barbecue or something at somebody's right. house, right. and you want to throw on the Braves game. Like you're sling, blacked out. You can't do Sling TV like that. Right. Like yeah. you're, you're going to be blacked out when you try to stream it through the app. I think they need to. I think it, they want the ads coming that are coming through the cable channel, and MLB t- TV doesn't link those. But yeah. that's something they definitely could work out because people are paying for these games and paying for their service. You know, with yeah. with Comcast or whoever they have. It needs to be a lot easier to watch the game. This and you is, talk about growing real, the game. It's a serious problem. It's a pain it's in a the ass. It's a serious issue because people cut cords years ago and started doing like uh, YouTube, watching, get their stuff on YouTube. And, all, and you can't get these channels on YouTube and they're black. Right. So they, I understand people are pissed because they, you know, they were all set and things were working for a while. And then all of a sudden it didn't work anymore. So it's like, yep. do I have to stop all the YouTube and everything you and just subscribe to cable again? And, and, this is a newer generation and they're just not willing to do that. It's not to, the, to me. It's just, that's how you watch TV. You pay for the cable yeah. and you get it, but that's not how these people grew up. And and I understand their frustration because they were able to watch it and they had all their things set up the way they had it set yep. up. They pay for the YouTube to do this and they save a lot of money because they don't want to pay for shit that they don't watch. And now they can't watch a game. So, well, and you get charged like their frustration. $10 per cable box a month and you sign up for Comcast and your bill yeah. $71 a month. And if you don't check that thing in three months, it's like 180, you know I mean? It's just, yeah. it, it's kind of a scam in that sense that it, 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 your cable bill always goes up. I think cable just pisses everybody off, but that's 180. God, I, I, I'd flip to pay 180 anymore. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't have cable. I haven't had it in like five years and that's why I hadn't, I hadn't watched the Mariners game and since shit since 2015 or something because yeah. i just don't want to deal with the whole blackout thing right you know the and they were making rules this are stupid man that it is baseball's blackout rules are really dumb but that's why they got so much money from the cable companies yeah. is because they yeah. agreed to that so that's that's something right. i think they could definitely fix and i you know that's something that'll grow the game a lot more than bigger bases yeah <laughs> you know what i mean yeah uh, Seth Winstead asked someone on the athletics said recently to keep an eye on the Braves clubhouse dynamics after the roster shakeup Freeman dilemma dilemma with this great group. And given the time you spend around the team, do you personally see that as an area of concern? We touched on this earlier. Absolutely yeah. not. It's no. not, it's just not an area of concern. Now, if they start terrible, uh, I would say if Matt Olson sucks early, he's not going to suck early. You know, I mean, even if he gets off to a bad start, like Freddie did, it's going to, this is a, this is a guy that's proven. He yeah. is what he is. He's not going to have, you know, so, um, and if he was also, if he was a jerk, that'd be one thing, but he's not, everybody likes this guy. He's like just the nicest guy in the world. So I just, uh, no, that's not a fact. It's not the clubhouse is great. And I, t- I told you, I've talked to a lot of people here from Ozzy Acuna, both said it 
Dansby, Austin, Max Freed, Charlie, they were all talking about this is a great clubhouse, and Alex goes out of his way to make sure yeah. everybody he brings in, Kenley Jansen, McHugh, for me. are all guys, these vets, these guys. He makes sure he doesn't bring in a clubhouse cancer, man. Our guy's going to be a mope if he's not playing a lot or pitching a lot. So, well, that's that's the biggest factor for me is that they consistently try. It. Yeah. It's a when they're signing guys like there's some teams that if the numbers are good, yeah, they'll ask before you know, hey, we're thinking about so and so, the shortstop from Toronto or something like that, and they'll ask around the clubhouse and everybody be like, dude, that guy's a douche. Nobody likes playing with him. Right. Everybody around the league hates this guy. If you bring him in here, it's, it's going to be a problem. We're going to have to deal with this guy. And some GMs trade for him anyway. You know, I, I think that Alex has made a, a a pretty consistent effort that everybody he brings in to try to vet their yep. personalities. And it's like you said, you know, if you had if you had two or three superstars that were kind of turds on this team, yeah, then it could be a problem losing Freddie and losing a voice. But right. it seems like everybody they bring in is is generally just a good dude. Yeah. So I, I don't worry about it. Very, they're very careful about it. I mean, they don't yeah. ask one or two people. They ask like people that have played with him, people that have managed him, coaches. coaches they ask yep. a lot of people, and yep. it's hard to go wrong when you cover all your bases like that because guys yep. aren't going to lie to you, you know. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, I asked somebody. Somebody used the expression that you've used to me before. I asked him about. Uh, Matt Olson, I fit in, and one guy goes, "Yeah, he's the boys, man." He came in. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep. like, That's what Eric says. <laughs> yep. Uh, got a TNT 17 says, obviously we have a quality team and lots of depth. Who is your pick for a player that will surprise us either in a positive or negative way? Kyle Wright. I think he's ready. I think that might be a good pick. He's looked good this spring and he's going to get every chance. He's going to start game three. And, uh, because he, and they wanted to move back because he, uh, he had a rain out. He had a spring game rained out, so they want everybody to have an extra day of rest for their start. So he moves into game four. Kyle's going to start game three. It doesn't matter. They're both going to face the Reds. Um, but Kyle Wright has really looked good down here this spring. Probably as good as anybody other than, say, Charlie. Yeah. Charlie I, I think he's, games. he's had enough experiences now. He's been so close to putting it together so many times. Um, I think he's finally getting comfortable. You know, starting game three is not starting game five or coming up from Gwinnett for – game six, yeah. you know, you find out the day before, like he's, he's starting to settle in on the team, but I mean, that you World watch him Series pitch appearance was huge. That was huge. Third or whatever it was. Yeah. Scoreless. Yeah. He's had some big games in the postseason, and, and the stuff's there, you know, you watch him pitch. Yeah. He's tall. He's throwing downhill. He's got good life on his fastball, good breaking ball. And he always looks like he's competing. And it just seemed like he would just have that one bad inning so many times in the past, but uh, he figures that out. I, I think he's going to really surprise some people this year. Yeah, I'm trying to think of somebody else that could be a uh, a surprise, but I can't really think of anybody. I mean, everybody had big years last year. There was a lot of surprise guys that had big years. Nobody had a really bad year. Um, Ozuna's I think Lux, looking pretty good. Ozuna's looking pretty good. He's in good shape. Um, he's going to be a lot better than last year. I think he's going to yeah. be somewhere between last year and the year before when he led the league in homers and RBIs. Michael Harris, I've talked about him ad nauseum, but once he does get here, which could be at yep. some point this year, but if the outfit's going fine, it probably won't be till next year. But when he gets here, I think he's going to have an immediate impact. This guy looks like he belongs now. Yeah. So, and they just want to get, they want to make sure with him, they don't want to rush him. He hasn't played above A ball yet. Nobody makes a jump from A ball hardly, you know. I mean, that just doesn't happen. They got to play some in the high minors and see what he can do. 
but uh, he could be uh, he could be a, I, I think he's going to be a, a star. Actually, I think yeah. he's going to be a star. I think Ronald Acuna is going to come back, and and they're being careful, they're being really smart with him, not allowing him to come back because he plays reckless, plays hard all the time. So I think when they do kind of unleash him in May, you know, he's going to be ready to make up. He's going to be playing hard, and he's in great shape. Uh, I saw him face uh, O'Day yesterday with that sidearm delivery, and he crushed one to line drive to center. It was in a sim game, and and uh, he looks good. He looks ready, man. So, but that's not a surprise to anybody. You know? No, the only thing he could do to surprise people yeah, is not if be he, good. If he struggled, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, I mean, we talked about him. Also, it's got to be great. There's no doubt. This guy's just a stud. He hit a bomb today, the same place up there. He went into the pavilion in right center, which is – it's I don't know if you've been here before, if you guys have seen pictures, but the pavilion seats here are actually a section of seats on, on columns or poles above the fence. There's a concourse that runs along the top, walking concourse atop the fence. fence is about 12 feet high in right center. Yeah. And there's a walkway atop the fence. The pavilion is then on stilts or, or, or uh, columns above that. And he hit the ball up into the pavilion the first time today to the right of the pavilion. So it's a it's a poke, man. It's a good 450, 460. You, you don't see it because he handled a high fastball today, you know, up in the zone. You don't see a ton of lefties that hit a high fastball that well. Yeah. You know, most of them, it's that down and in danger yeah. zone. They might they might top spin a single to right on that high fastball. But, I mean, I was also impressed with his next at bat. He swung first pitch curveball and, and just missed it. He was about to go deep again. And then that bat after that, he got a first pitch slider, you know, a pitch he hadn't even seen yet, and laced it in the left center. And I think it was Hernandez dove and caught it and got a double play. Yeah. But oh, I mean, today, Verdugo, I think. Verdugo, that's right. Yeah. I, yeah. I just, I look at him and I'm still trying to figure to out, I'm still trying to figure out where his, uh, where his weakness is, which is a good sign when, when he's yeah. on your team. Um, what does Eric think will be – who does Eric think will be the breakout player in both the pin and the rotation? Well, you already said the rotation. Yep. Uh, Kyle yeah, Wright. Kyle Wright in the rotation. I think he's going to have a good year. But for me, it's – I don't know if Minner counts as a breakout because he's had such good postseasons. Right. But he still hasn't put together that full season right. for me yet. You know, where it's seven – been a month in triple a last year right i think that this is the year that you know especially after all those experiences but i think this year would be the year that he throws 70 games yeah. or 60 games and and puts up some big numbers and they're really going to lean on him too with luke yep. out that becomes yep. even more important so you know that's a, yeah they're going to rely heavily on kenley McHugh, nutsack smith, uh, will smith <laughs> and mentor they got all some those depth. guys will smith by the way that might be my breakout guy because everybody struggled with – I mean, everybody ripped him all last regular season, including me, said Snitch should have made the change. We all looked stupid and, and when he in the last week of the regular season and then throughout the postseason when he was just lights out. But he's back in that setup role. You remember how good he was in that role, setting up for Melanson. And this guy's a stud, man. Will Smith and looks stud. to me more comfortable – are more suited suited for setup, I think, for some reason, than than closing. I don't know why, because he was great in the postseason closing. Great. Yeah. But there was so much traffic during the season. He got out but, of it usually, but so much traffic. And I think he's looked dynamite this spring. Well, you don't always have to get out of it in the setup role. Um, 
Yeah. You got, you know, that Billy, that's a Billy Wagner quote I remember saying that setup man's the best job in baseball because you start getting in trouble in the, yeah. in the eighth inning setting yeah. up and you look down and <laughs> Billy Wagner's guy. warming up behind you. Right. You know, I mean, that was the most comforting thing ever when I was throwing the eighth for the Braves is I'd be first and third, two outs or something like that. And I'd look down and there's Craig Kimbrell warming up. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. The, the worst thing I do if I walk this guy, Kim, Kimbrell right. comes in and strikes a guy right. out. I mean, there's right. there's just so much less pressure in that role. But, yeah. um, you know, I think it's also really hard to be a lefty closer, uh, you know, unless you're throwing 100 miles an hour. Like, uh-huh. I think Matzik is, is better suited for that role because he just has an unhittable fastball. Right. You know, it, and Will has a, a good fastball and a great slider. And he pitches his ass off and he has balls and he battles, uh-huh. but it's still hard because hitters just take it to the next level in the ninth inning for whatever reason, when they're down to their last out. Yeah. I mean, it seems like this isn't the truth, but it always seems like they're trying to put their numbers up or do some damage up until a certain point. And then for whatever reason, they get to the ninth and all of a sudden the game's on the line. Yeah. Everybody's willing to hit a single the other way. Everybody's willing to slap and fight and battle and, you know, scratch and claw that two strike breaking ball that they're swinging and missing in the eighth. That's um, interesting, man. That's really It is, but if you watch the games, man, it's yeah, like, yeah. so, you know, I think that Will had a lot of tough breaks for that reason last year where guys were yeah. hitting these infield singles when they might have been punching out in the eighth. Yeah, I mean, so many of his hits were, were, were not hard contact hits, so they weren't, you know, balls to the warning track. You know, there were hits through the infield and everything. We're like, oh, here we go again. Or, you know, double to shallow left field and uh, just on and on or down the line. You yeah, know? that 40 homer lefty, yeah. you know, that you face yeah. in the eighth inning and strike out pretty easy. All of a sudden, he's willing to just do an ass out little flare job to left to keep the game yep. going. Um, Austin Rissanen. Oh, no, Josh, Josh Schwaber. Who was Eric's favorite batter to face? I don't know if that means the guy you could always get out. <laughs> right now, that's an easy one. It, it, it's you know it kind of like sometimes it just builds where you have this confidence against the guy and he knows you have his number yeah and it was like i would face ryan howard in whatever situation it was and the pitch that i could make really consistently that he struggled with the most happened to match up so i could throw him sinkers down and in and he'd swing right through him yeah you know so i mean i'd get in a in a situation where you know utley i hated facing utley uh-huh. it was a battle every time I just pitch around him. Howard was on deck, and I knew if I if I made this pitch three out of five times, I was getting out of the inning. Yeah. And then it kind of builds into the point where he knows I've had his number, and I know I got his number, and the confidence is there for me and not for him. But I had like three or four years where you know that Phillies lineup had all those lefties in it in the middle yeah. and switch hitters. I was always pitching against them, but I had three or four years where it was just a, a pretty much a free out. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking of. Uh... How tough Ryan Howard could be like Huddy that time when he hit a home run, three homers yeah. off Huddy, one to each field, one to yeah. each field, left, center, it's just, and right. It's just all about the matchup. And for whatever reason, yeah. you know, I mean, it, yeah. my sinker and his his uh, his bat path just matched up really nice for me. Um, Austin Rissonen, how do you see the DH situation playing out until Ronald gets back? Well, that's interesting because Alex Dickerson – uh, left-hander who had good numbers in San Francisco a couple years ago, not as much last year when uh, he got more playing time, but he had good numbers two years ago. Right now, the plan is, barring some pickup between now and opening day, to have him. And now that now that uh, uh, Contreras has been kept as a third catcher, Contreras is going to be the right-handed 
DH a lot of times, and they're probably end up split, uh, splitting those those uh, duties until Acuna gets back. So that made a lot of sense. Contreras, if he's going to get, because he'll get a lot of playing time that way. Um, whereas the other roles, he wasn't going to get many abs, but he'll get quite a few abs if he splits those DH duties with Dickerson. Yeah. And and um, and then once Acuna gets back, Rosario is going to left field. Ozuna is going to the DH spot. So that's the plan. So there you go. Uh, Dickerson and and uh, Contreras is the plan for now. Uh, Kyle Chambers, DB, do you think Acuna gets any time in Gwinnett for rehab before his return? Yes, he will. That is <laughs> yeah, the plan. Play. He is going to Gwinnett um, before he's activated. So when exactly is that going to be? Don't know, but say he's activated the first week, end of the first week in May. He'll probably start at Gwinnett like you know the last week of April. It could be there for a week, 10 days, something like that. But that is the plan for him to be there like a week, 10 days, and uh, he will rehab at Gwinnett. Yeah, he'll play some games in uh, Florida too, you know, in an yeah. extended spring or whatever it is. That's usually right. where you get your feet wet, then you go to spring training. I think it's really cool, though, when a guy that big uh, – I mean, that's what's cool about spring training is getting that chance to sit close. But a guy, a superstar like that goes and plays in AAA – you can yeah. sit 10 rows up and get a front row seat to him almost, you know, that that's one of the cooler things about when those guys go rehab. And, uh, you'll be, if you're outside in the parking lot, you'll know he's coming because he'll be in one of his gold cars, <laughs> his gold Chrome cars. I was going to the ballpark today and I'm on Tammy Amy trail 41. And I see this gold car up here. And I'm like, that's a Cunha, man. I get up. It's a gold Lamborghini. And it was Cunha, of course. And he's right beside me for like three miles. He was the only guy driving faster than me on the Tamiami Trail. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> what Austin Riley needs one of those. But it was his gold chrome Lamborghini SUV. Pretty sweet. We got to get Riley in one of those things. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> Riley hunts all, all off season. I can't see him going hunting with a gold chrome SUV. <laughs> get a gold chrome F-250. <laughs> He'd get a camouflage, <laughs> is more like it. A camouflage 250. <laughs> That'd be great. A gold chrome F250. That'd be good, man. Uh, let's see. Aaron Barry, over under on the Braves projected win total of 91.5. I'm taking uh, over. That's pretty good. I'm taking over. I'll go with about 92, 93. They had 88 last year, and considering everything they overcame last year, yeah, a lot of guys had great years last year. Can they repeat them? I don't know, but. I'd still go over, and I think the division, uh, depending on what happens with the Grom, the Mets are falling apart already, man. So, but the division might not be as tough as we thought it was going to be. Phillies, I think, might be the second best team. Yeah, they're going to have terrible outfield defense, but they're going to have some. They're going to score some runs, man. They got a lineup, and Harper's gotta, Harper's raking already. He's he's they, really turned into a. I mean, he's he's turned himself into a superstar. Yeah. Again, yeah. And they got a couple of studs at the top of that rotation. I think Nola's going to bounce back. His strikeout numbers were still huge last year. He just didn't have, he just gave up a lot of hits, but Mm -hmm. the stuff is still nasty. So those top two guys in that rotation, it's pretty damn good. Wheeler and him. So, yeah. And Dave's improved the bullpen a little bit. Dombrowski uh, has made some big moves in that lineup, though. They're going to score a lot of runs in that ballpark, especially. So, but I'd go over, point. I'd go with 92, 93 at least for the Braves. Uh, and the other one is odds Max Fried wins the NL Cy Young. I don't know. With Scherzer right now questionable for opening day with the, what is it, uh, shoulder with him? Sore shoulder? I forget. I thought it was a hamstring. No, you're right. Hamstring. I'm sorry. Hamstring. 
I just think Scherzer's at the point of his career. We've seen this before so many times that they way overpaid for him at this point of his career. And he's going to be great when he's out there, but I think he's going to have a lot of missed times. Like this start scratch, move back two days. This one, he comes out three innings. He's not the Scherzer of old as far as health. When he's out there and healthy, he's going to be nasty. But, uh, and I think DeGrom is going to have three or four more stints on the IL this year if this first thing is not serious. He just can't stay healthy, yeah. max effort. I think Smoltzy is absolutely right. Smoltz has said multiple times on air that DeGrom has got to look at himself in the mirror and go, I need to rein it in a little bit and not go 100% effort every pitch. I can get by throwing 96 instead of 98, 99. Because he can't stay healthy. He's not a big enough dude to stay healthy throwing that like he does max effort. I think Smoltz is right, man. Well, that's what I think he needs to do is beef up, you know, start eating some cheeseburgers because yeah. he's so skinny. Um, yeah. I mean, he's just a rail. And, and I think that's part of why, you know, he has those long levers. He's kind of like got that Randy Johnson velo where you're not seeing a lot of muscle on him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, for me, it's when I look at him, I just think it's hard to be a starter and throw that many innings when you're that skinny. It'd be like Max Fried being out there throwing 98-99 every, every pitch, yeah. you know, and nasty and not having a big curveball. But, I, yeah, I just don't think that uh, the way he is right now, the, the approach he's got right now, the size he is, he's just not going to stay healthy, man. So, Yeah, and he's already had Tommy John. Yeah. Um, I think Max Fried's got as good a chance as probably just about anybody. Kershaw's not Kershaw anymore. Um, we don't know when Bauer's going to pitch. Um, you know, we talked about – Wheeler, Wheeler, Wheeler. If if I had to do odds, Wheeler might be my odds-on favorite to win it right now. But Max Fried has really come a long way in the last two years. In that postseason, he had that start in the World Series. Who knows? He he's looked good this spring, and uh, I think he'll top. I think it'll be top five. I think you can. I think you can pencil him in for a lot of top five Cy Youngs in the next five years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just another guy that just has to stay healthy. I mean, that's the only question I ever have with Max. And yeah. He's had he has Max just has weird injuries, you know, like a, a knee right. or the blister last year, blister. the hamstring early, and he still yeah. ended up throwing a lot of innings. Yeah, that that might have worked for him last year because he ended up throwing a lot more innings than he'd ever thrown. Those two IL stints early in the season might have actually helped him last year. Definitely, I mean, some of my best seasons, I had like two or three times where my back yeah. hurt, and I and I got a week off, and it's a long season. Uh, I know it's starters get more rest, but. I definitely think like with Max, you know, it's it's just a matter of if he can put up the bulk to to be in that Cy Young conversation, his yeah. his numbers are always going to be there. I, I don't see him struggle too much. He would have been way over 200 innings last year if he yep. didn't have those IL stints. So that would have been asking a lot from a guy that's not gone nearly that far. So that was a nice big step for him last year, and neither one of those was an arm injury, so that was the good thing. Yeah. Um. This is from Atlanta Braves Forum. Do the Braves view Arcia or Shoemake as potential heirs to Dansby, or are they seen as simple organizational depth, making either re-signing Dansby or acquiring another starting shortstop a priority for the next for next offseason? Nah, Arcia is a is a uh, a utility guy, a backup, uh, or a, a, he's a, he's got good uh, versatility. They signed him to a two year deal um, to be back up at three or four positions and he can play the outfield too. So, and they also played him at first base some and Snit likes him over there at first base. He was really happy when he put him in a game the other day, the way he moved over there. So they like him a lot, but he's not the future shortstop. He's not, that's no. not what they got him for. Shoemaker get someone. 
Shoemaker could be the guy. He's come a long way. He's you talk about skinny. This guy's tried to put on weight, and he's put on about 10, 15 pounds, but he still needs to add about 20 probably. But uh, he's got good movements over there. Uh, I don't know long-term if he's going to be a shortstop or another utility guy, but they really like him. It just might be a utility guy. I'm not sure what his ceiling is, but they like him a lot. The guy you're talking about, the heir apparent, no question in my mind, is Vaughn Grissom. That's the guy to keep an eye on and keep a name on the back of your head because he is a stud. Not no relation to Marquise Grissom, by the way. If you see pictures of him, you'll know what I'm talking about. He's uh let me look him up. 20, yeah, Vaughn Grissom. He's 21. He's six foot three from Orlando. What a steal of a draft pick. 11th rounder in 2019. And they only saw him because the Braves were scouting the other guy. Oh, what was the guy that went to the stud that went to Milwaukee? Riley, uh, Riley Green. I think he's from the same high school as Riley Green, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Haggerty High and Oviedo. So the Braves were scouting the other guy, and and uh, Greg Walker saw this guy and said, hey, this guy's really good. A couple weeks later or a month later, they told Walker, you know that guy you were talking about? Go back and scout him because we've, we've heard some good things about it. And they went and really liked this guy, Marquise, or Marquise, Vaughn Grissom, and got him in the 11th round. And you talk about the year last year. This guy, last year in both levels of eight ball, hits a combined 319 with 28 extra base hits, seven homers, 418 OBP. That's the thing that jumps off the page is the plate discipline. 882 OPS, 16 steals, and that's only in 87 games. 28 extra base hits, seven homers, and a guy that's filling out. He's got a great body, a guy that could put on 15 more pounds easily, but he's already wiry strong with the big shoulders. I mean, good really defense. Good really good defense and they think if he outgrows the position easily move him to third but right now he can play second short and third so yeah they like him a lot good arm just a stud and last year the big thing was they promote him to high a he goes to high a the guy hits 378 519 obp in 12 games Mm. 11 14 ops i know it's only 12 games but he struck out five times in 52 plate appearances after they promoted him to high a rome so that's the guy to keep an eye on, and that's the heir apparent. So he now, might maybe, start there and get to double A this year or keep moving up. Maybe you'll have to get a bridge yeah. for one year, but you know how they can do that. They can go get a guy for a year if they if they don't re-sign Dan's because Dan's going to be free agent. If they don't re- Dan's not going to take a one-year deal, you know? He's going to no. get free agency. If they don't sign <laughs> him to an extension, I mean. He's kind of in a similar situation as Freddie, though, where I feel like if he was coming back or it was going to happen, it would have. waited too long. If they yeah. planned on that, if they intended I mean, to do it, I think they waited too long. Yeah, he's a year away. Right. I mean, maybe if you did it right now, you could get him to like a three-year deal, but you're going to have to pay if you're Dansby. You know, he's not the kind of guy that's going to take a huge hometown discount. As much as he loves Atlanta, he's all about Atlanta. You know, but I, I mean, he's got a chance to if he has another big year, and that's a guy that's confident in himself, man. Way confident. Oh yeah, in himself. he always has been. And he yeah. hit 27 homers playing great defense yeah. last year. I mean, I don't think he's going to have to settle for three years. Yeah, and but it's a, it's a, there's a lot of great shortstops out there, but they're not all on the market next winter. So, uh, so we'll see. But uh, that, the guy to keep an eye on, and a guy that I the reason I if they don't sign Dansby for you know it's going to be because he'd have to have at least three or four years at least. Yeah, and they'd be blocking this guy unless they you're not moving him to third. Because you know they're going to sign Austin Riley long term. Yeah. If they don't, they're crazy. Right. You know, and he's still a way, long ways away from free agency. So they should sign Austin Riley, but they're not going to move this guy to third 
and uh, you're not going to move him to second. <laughs> right. So, yeah. you know. Did you know Aussie for 50 bucks a year for the right, six, seven? <laughs> right. So I, I think there's your heir apparent right there, Von Grissom, unless he's just a huge trade piece, but they really like him. So uh, Bo Evans says, chances that Tyler Thornburg makes the roster what he's, what he's shown the spring training coming off Tommy John, and do you see him helping the bullpen with Luke Jackson out? Tyler's a homegrown Andy, Atlanta Sandy Springs guy. would love to hear your thoughts on him. As I mentioned earlier, he's not only good as a chance to make, he's going to make the opening day roster. Barring some big change between now and opening day, he's on the roster. Riverwood high guy, Sandy Springs. Charleston Southern was a third-round pick by the Brewers in 2010. He's 33 years old, missed all of last season and part of 2020, Tommy John with the Reds. But you go back and look at this guy's numbers, I didn't realize how good he was with the Brewers, man. In 2016, this guy had 215 ERA, 13 saves, 67 appearances with him that year in 2016, 90 strikeouts and 25 walks and 67 innings that year. I'm trying to watch one of his highlights right now. I, I haven't heard too much about him, but I think I remember him now that he's He looked good this him. spring. He's yeah. looked really good this spring. Did the full year, Tommy John, more than a year, you know, because yeah. – I like more than a year. And he looks good. He's 33, knows how to pitch, good stuff. They really like him this spring, and he's made the team. So he's going to get every chance to to show it, especially with uh, Luke out. Oh, he's got a good breaking ball. It's hard. It's It's been hard. It's hard not getting to watch the games, you know, yeah. from, from out here in Washington. But um, I got to watch today, and it was – the thing that stuck out to me watching today was the lineup – you know, I mean, the bottom half wasn't wasn't their guys, but right. Ozzy didn't play, and but it's just power threat after power threat. Like, yeah. you, there's no way to manipulate this lineup. You have to come see somebody, and they can all go deep. Uh, we got a few more questions here. Um, oh, these are YouTube questions. All right, let's do a couple of these. Doug Robinson, how long of a leash do you think Nuke gets? I feel like he's gotten plenty of chances, and at this point, might really. Could use a change of scenery. I agree. Me too. Uh, he's on the team because he's out of options, period. That's the only reason. They know that if you tried to get him through now, there are some teams, especially some bad teams, that would Just claim take him. him. Yeah. Right. So what you do is you wait till the season starts. He's got a lot better chance of getting through on waivers. There still might be a bad team taken, but they hope the hope is he comes out and he's pitching lights out. We've seen him pitch great sometimes. If he pitches great, you got a trade piece or a guy that can help you, especially with uh Luke out. So I know it's frustrating to watch him and know he's only making the team because he's out of options. But on the other hand, remember how good he can be on those times. And, and you'd hate to give the arm away for nothing. If there's a chance you could get him at either, you could either trade for something or he could help you this year. So I don't think the leash is real long. Uh, if he goes out and, and, and shits the bed the first five times out, then that could be it for him. And they could uh, put him on waivers and have a real good chance of getting him through and send him to triple a and have him keep going and working down there. So. He is like the perfect fit for one of those guys that you let go and he goes and goes off, you know, yeah. with a new team. Yeah. But that's mainly just you get into this this mode when you failed with an organization multiple times and there's a narrative kind of surrounding you. Yeah. You know, every every time you struggle, you can feel the energy of the fans, the coaching staff, yeah. you're answering questions from the media, the here we go again type of mindset is almost always there. So when he fails it's like it's just so much more likely to compound and happen again. Um, and then you go to a new team, and every time you go to a new organization, 
They haven't dealt with your bullshit. They haven't yeah. watched you fail. They haven't been disappointed knowing how good you can be. They're only focused on what you could do and what you could be and everything you're good at. And you get this fresh start. And if you get off to a fresh start there, all of a sudden your confidence is back and you take off. So even if, you know, if they had to, you know, try to slip him through waivers or something, he winds up getting picked up and he goes off for some new team, fits into a bullpen role right. or goes to, you know, Oakland or, Cleveland or Baltimore or Pittsburgh, one of these teams that's that's not trying to win and can give them that chance to really pitch in their rotation. Yeah. I mean, the stuff's there. The stuff's been there forever. Um, and that's that's the unfortunate thing is he's been with a team that yeah. hasn't been able to let him figure it out at the major league level. But yeah. he goes somewhere and does it. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily the Braves' fault. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not a reflection on the Braves failing no. with him. They've given him every chance. They've got great guys yep. that have worked with him. They've got great teammates that have talked to him. So, and like you just pointed out, he still sees himself as a starter, even after yeah. these years in the bullpen. So he could go somewhere, sell that, you know, they're going to look at that. He came within one strike of throwing a no hitter against the Dodgers. Not that long ago. Yep. Uh, some team that has, a, that has dog poo in the last three spots in the rotation might give him a chance with no, no, <laughs> yeah. with no, nothing to lose. All of a sudden maybe flips the switch and he's starting again and loving it. So, cause he wants to be a starter still. So. And they could tell him, you know, look, we're going to lose a thousand games this right. year, whether you pitch well or not. You know, right. this is your chance. We're leaving you in the rotation. You have a bad start. Don't sweat it because you're going back out there in five yeah. days. Yeah. And sometimes that's the confidence that, you know, I mean, we've talked about it a bunch, you know, with with all these guys that have come up for one start and go back to AAA when they yeah. fail. It's a like really, Kyle, really like Bryce like Kyle, Tukey. You know, they, yeah. they've there's so much pressure you put on yourself when you know if you struggle today, you're hopping on that bus to Gwinnett. Uh, that was Doug Robinson. We got, uh, fuck Bill Gates with a P H U C K <laughs> Bill Gates, LOL. Could the Braves add What's Justin? want to know. Could the Braves add Justin Upton to, uh, add to their outfield depth? Well, I mean, you can get him cheap, eminently cheap because once he clears waivers, cause he's certainly going to clear waivers cause nobody's picking up $28 million. Right. The, the, but I, I just would ask you. How bad does a guy have to be either on the field and or in the clubhouse for a team to pay $28 million for him to go play elsewhere? Now, I know some people have told me on Twitter, okay, but he could still hit lefties or whatever. Okay. But how bad does he have to be for the team not to use him in that role? The Angels not to say we can just use him as our last guy, especially on an expanded 28-man roster. They still didn't keep him. And they know yeah. they're not going to get anything to trade for him. And they said, we want him to go. We'll pay $28 million for him to go play somewhere else. It's only going to have to pay him $700,000. we will pay the other $27.3 million. Yeah. So could they use him as a, as strictly to hit left-handers? Sure they could. But it, who's he going to platoon with once Acuna gets back? You're going to platoon him with Eddie Rosario? You know? You're going to well, platoon think- him with Adam Duvall? No. It's a, you have to know if he's... You're going to DH him? If he wants him? to do that role, too. You You're know, not going to DH he, him because that's Ozuna's role. You're not going to have yeah. to put him. Yeah, and and that's the other thing. Is he going to be a mope if he's playing, rarely playing, in the last year before another contract? Not that he's going to get another big contract, but is he going to want to go platoon? I don't I don't think he would want to platoon, but I know he's not going to be a mope. He's a, he's a pretty good dude in the clubhouse. I really like Justin. Uh-huh. Um but at the same time, you know, it's like when he's picking his teams, he's going to try to right. pick a team that he's going to get to play. Because he's going to be a free agent. 
Yeah. Right. And if I, I was him, that. I'd try to go into a small park. Angel Stadium's hard to hit in. It's a big park. Yeah. I'd try to go to one of these teams, you know, maybe that's not competing. Maybe the Rockies. out there. Yeah, or or like Baltimore or teams, Cincinnati, these little small teams, parks. Yeah, and some of those teams, one of those teams is going to offer him a starting job because they're only going to have to pay him seven hundred grand. Yeah, you know, and you can and, have kind of a superstar on your team, and they you know, got he, a he's chance. Had some good years, right? He can flip a switch, and all of a sudden, have a, you never know with him. He's the streakiest good hitter I have ever ever, ever covered, and there ain't yep. even anybody close. Nope. That guy can go from looking like the best hitter in baseball to looking like a guy that has no clue for a, two weeks straight. Yeah, and so if you're, you know, if you're one of those teams that's kind of tanking right now, yeah, you pick him up, let him play for three months, and if he goes off for you, you might better you get trade yourself him. a nice prospect for him. <laughs> hey, you trade him in July, exactly. Yep. So that's why it would surprise me if the Braves got him because they can't promise him any kind of playing time, uh, extensive playing time, and he's going to want to go somewhere where he's going to play all the time. Yep. And if they did get him, I would see it happening later after he'd already shown some, you know, some resurgence yeah. in himself. Right. And and they there's some injury or something pops up and they need a bat. But I wouldn't think it was likely because he's not going to get to play a lot here. And the other thing is, Alex, uh, don't forget who the GM is out in uh, with the Angels. Alex's former assistant. Yeah. So, I mean, if Alex, Alex knows him very well and if he's dumping – if he's dumping Justin, he, Alex is probably going. God knows something about baseball. If he's just dumping him, man, man, it's not. Is that a really a guy we need to jump on? So anyway, uh, that was a long-winded answer to the quick question. But uh, yeah, I don't see it happening. Yeah, I don't see it answered. But I, you know, I've learned never to say never because right. what you do, boom, it happens. Because Alex yeah. has some, does some things that you are not expecting. So, but I would not expect that. So thanks for the question. Fuck Bill Gates. Uh, the next one is from S. Roberts, and it is, when Acuna is back at the end of April, what roster adjustments do you think will be made? Are both Contreras and Strider just up for a cup of coffee to start the year? That's impossible to predict. For one, they're going to go from 28 to 26 guys on May 2nd before Acuna even comes back. They're going to go to two, cut two guys. Now, you could say, yeah, Contreras and Strider will be those guys but not if they're pitching well or not if uh, Contreras is hitting well. He won't be that guy. Uh, Dickerson could be that guy that they release. Yep. Or Tucker Davidson could be that pitcher that they release. Or or Thornburg. You know, so you just don't know. It's going to depend what they do with their opportunities between now and then. Yeah, and that's the beauty of having that extra space is they get to answer a lot of questions over this next month. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That's all. There were other questions. We didn't write them down. We ran out of time, and I'm tired anyway. i got to write the story about Matt Olson. <laughs> so, fuck Bill Gates. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All right, man. Hey, thanks for all the questions, guys. That was great. We'll have to do this again. And we're going to start those rooms things soon, as soon as they figure out the technology for Eric's phone. Because he does a diff- uh, or he's not for Eric's phone, but he works outside the company. So, he's got, I don't know, some arrangement. Right, Cam? We're going to start them soon, though. Yeah, hopefully next week. It's going to be after opening day, but we should have one more episode this week, and then the game plan is to try to expand to three shows a week like we've been teasing before. One Rooms show. Yep, yep, One Rooms show. Where you guys are talking to us live. Yep, directly to you guys in the athletic app. And if anybody is – unless people start – if anybody's like an asshole, we're just going to cut it off. We're just going to – Hang up on them. We don't need this shit, you know? Get this guy out of here. Yeah, we'll go back to two or three shows regular. So, (laughs) But we're going to give you a chance. We want to talk to you folks, the good ones, (laughs) the good eggs. (laughs) 
All right, that's it. 755 is real. Two more days down at spring training, and then this shit starts for real. Ready right. or not. And the Braves got a chance to clean up that first home series. I know, uh, our first home stand. Four games against the Reds, three against the nasty rebuilding Nats. We're out. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.